los ojos primorosos Mírame, mírame, mírame Aquí estoy, mírame Hello everyone, welcome to our first Nerdy Latinas podcast. This is your host, Short Latina, and my co-host. Hi everyone, it's Abritas. On this episode, we explored and discussed the topic of LGBTQ icons in Latin America and their influence on our culture. But Sabritas, so let's get nerdy. Give me some of the facts. Who was Walter Mercado? So I don't know if any of y'all have heard, but this summer there was a documentary just released on Walter Mercado's life called Mucho Mucho Amor. He was a Puerto Rican astrologer, writer, who is very well known in Latin America. Apart from Walter, we also had the opportunity to talk to Jose about Juan Gabriel, who is a Mexican singer known for his style and live stage performances. Yes, and what best guest to have on our first episode than Jose Alfredo Guerrero. Can you tell us more about him, Sabritas? Absolutely. Jose Alfredo is an educator and musician who grew up in Chicago's La Villita, a graduate of DePaul's University School of Music. He's a member of Madera Once, a four-piece band that plays tribute to Mexican regional and traditional music with a contemporary spin. Madera Once's mission is to keep Mexican and Latin American music alive as it forges a new identity through the musician and audience's lived experiences within the U.S. They recently released their debut EP, Amado, available on all streaming platforms. And I just want to say that it was an absolute pleasure to uh, record our first episode with Jose Alfredo Guerrero. It was so much fun, and this is the interview. Welcome, Jose, to our Latinas podcast. Thank you. No, thank you for the invitation. Um, it's very exciting oh. to be on someone else's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> And I would also like to introduce my co-host, Sabritas. Hello, everyone. Hello. Um, oh, there you go. I see you now. Hi. Yeah, you see. <laughs> but um, <laughs> let's get right into it. I've known you for, what, two years now? Um, and you are an amazing, talented musician. How has COVID been treating you, though? Honestly. Uh, so I recently actually just saw this meme that's, um, it was titled something like, um, COVID coaster or something like that. And it's like within the meme or GIF, I don't know the difference. I'm too old to work that out for myself. But it was basically like, it's that um, existence where like one minute you're like super into all the like new things that you're doing and super into um, you're getting to know yourself and you're thriving. And then the next minute you're crying and missing someone you don't even like. <laughs> and it's like, that's probably how I would describe my COVID-19 um, experience. But for the most part, honestly, I've realized that I'm much more of a recluse than I thought I was um, because I'm a performer. So I get to like see, I used to get to see people all the time and like be in front of people and have to mingle with people. And I've been okay being home <laughs> Like I don't need people. Right. Like I'm just like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to stay home today. <laughs> that works out. But um I do. I also realized that without all of that physical contact, though, like I had to find something to do. So I really like delved deep into um, at home fitness and eating healthy. And so I've been able to just focus my attention on that, I guess. 
So what else has uh, COVID, what other blessings has COVID uh, brought or self-awareness has COVID brought to you? Have you been able to get more creative? So once everything started, I did tell myself, like, I'm going to use this time to reflect more, to, um, to write more music and all of that. Has any of it happened? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Um, easier said than done I, was, I know it's so hard to like find and I do think that for us like so I live with my partner and we live in a very small space and he also ended up having to work from home so now you have two people sharing a 700 square foot apartment um, where we're both working from home at least I was you know when it first started and now it's like it was just too much to do all at once. So it was really like day to day, like how are we gonna figure out our spacing? How are we going to both take meetings around the same time, um, working out, using the house to work out? Like it's just, so I mean, I got working out and we have a system for that. We got our eating gotten taken care of. So the next thing I'm gonna do is um, really focus in on songwriting but I was able to mm -hmm. release my new website. So I did work on that. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And what is the website? Yeah, so, click it in. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, josealfredocantante.com. Uh, I know. You know, I, I also got to learn about how to buy a website. Um, it took almost two whole weeks of work figuring out mm -hmm. how to design it and like, there, there are parts of that website where I'm like, you know what? I don't care anymore. This is how it's going to stay. And I'm not Como moving yeah. Are you using Squarespace? I am using Squarespace, actually, yeah. I have a beef with them. I want them to sponsor this, this <laughs> podcast one day. But, like, why is there no share buttons? Okay? What happened to that? Share buttons? Yeah. So, you know, when you – let's say you post, like, an amazing song mm -hmm. and it's on your website – that you know, and and your and your listeners will go on the website and then like to share the song, they literally have to copy and paste the URL, and then put it on the Twitter or Instagram, and you're just like, why is there no share button? Oh, this is social makes, media. That makes sense. Like, you're right. Anyway, anyway, congratulations on your new website. <laughs> yeah, Abrita's right. It came to a point where I was like, you know, you know what? Como salga. Yeah, I'm done with this. I I, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Así va a ser. But yeah. Um, okay. I'm also trying to schedule things with my mom so that we can shoot our own podcast episodes, but my mom stay busy. So <laughs> she will see. Parents are thriving during this time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, ¿qué más, qué más hay que hacer, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to complain about, um, anything right now, but okay, <laughs> let's, let's move back. You have been creative. You have your website. I want to talk about your song Amado. Oh, okay. well, what, what questions do you have? Do you just want me to talk about the song? Maybe tell us, a, to tell us about the song. What is the song about? So actually, I think a lot of people are surprised when I actually do tell them what the song is actually about. Um, so the song is, I, I wrote it, God, maybe three, four, five years ago um, when I had just, I was coming out of a relationship and... It was the longest relationship I've ever had. And even still, like I haven't surpassed the number of years at least. Um, and I was obviously like, whatever. But I think in retrospect now, when I look at the song, I'm like, God, I am so self-centered. 
I don't want to talk about that. I'm just oh, no, I agree. Like, this is what I talk to my therapist about all the time. It's like, <laughs> Jose's favorite human is Jose. Like, that, this isn't a secret. I mean, um, yeah. It has to be to a certain exactly. point, right? Mm-hmm. But um, no, that song actually I wrote because I was having a hard time with the idea of this person moving on from me. And that's probably the thing that I struggle with after every relationship I've had. Like, how can you move on from life without me? Like, that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. And so the lyrics are written in a very, like, you might, when you hear the song, it sounds like I'm singing about this person, but it's mm-hmm. actually not. What I did, um, I wrote about myself through their viewpoint in order to kind of self-soothe myself and let myself know this person's going to love you for the rest of their life. <laughs> so therapeutic. <laughs> so it's very that's... like, so the lyric, like at the end, that's like, siempre serás mi amado. Like, it's not me saying that to him. It's him saying that to me, at least in my head, you know, like if this person were able to write songs and was musical in any way, this is mm-hmm. the song they would have written about me. But wow. I don't know. I think we need to do an episode about how we cope when we have bad breakups or Uh, breakups in general breakups in general so when you listen to this song now does it bring new things up no i think now i'm able to look at these songs and like i kind of like releasing the ep was really also therapeutic and a very like i'm releasing all of this tension or like sadness that i had although not all four songs are about that relationship some one of those songs is actually about my current relationship but Mm-hmm. which so one is that one lejos i'm just gonna listen to that <laughs> have your COVID 19 emotional moment and that right there with a model especially right now that you can't maybe you're dating you can't see your loved one yeah i have a friend who's um hasn't seen her boyfriend or like yeah like really hung out with him since march that's that's really tough i mean that is very very tough that's a long distance relationship basically and it's mostly because he's very like worried about his parents so like he's like absolutely no one contact which is understandable like you know and he lives with his parents or in the same house that his parents live in i mean i understand i get it yeah Um, (laughs) you talked about this song specifically and i know you love juan gabriel love juan gabriel yeah and i don't want to assume disclaimer uh-huh. I actually, prior to this podcast, Jose, I saw you when you were the MC for the the tribute to Juan Gabriel at the National Museum of Mexican Art. Oh, yeah. When I, yeah, I was one of the like performers there. Yes, yes, sure. yes, yeah. yes. And so that's that's when I first saw you and was sent the picture. I was like, oh, my God, I've seen him. I've seen that Reboso before. Like- <laughs> the Reboso. We got to yeah. talk about that Reboso. Well, you know, it's funny with that Reboso. Like, I just finished the Walter Mercado um, movie. And so I'm just like. I just watched that last night. Uh, so I wanted it to be super fresh in my head. So I literally just, as right before you sent me the email, I was like, all right, done. Click. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And so we have Walter Mercado. Juan Gabriel, um, two of the many LGBTQ plus icons in Latin America. Because there there are so many. Mexicano, um, Puerto Ricano. Yes. We're covering quite a few things here. And 
I also, you know, you mentioned that Sabrita's like, I saw him at, you know, the Mexican Museum, the Museum of Mexican Art. I do want to let listeners know that Jose is like a celebrity yeah. in Chicago. <laughs> He's performed. Scene. Yes, he has performed, opened for Santa Cecilia. Okay. You have performed at the Millennium Park. What else have you done? Um, so those are the two biggest ones, probably opening for Millennium at Millennium Park, doing that live show in front of almost 20,000 people. Like that's intense. Um, the Santa Cecilia one and performances in Chicago. Like one of my favorite ones was actually probably the one in Pilsen for Mole de Mayo, which is when I was asked to do a Juan Gabriel tribute show mm -hmm. for him out in the open. And that one was also cool because there were just so many people out there. And so many senoras, which, you know, like, it's, so there are spaces that, like, senoras don't necessarily feel like they have access to. And um, the streets is, of Pilsen is one of them. So it was really cool to just watch, like, really, like, an intergenerational crowd in the um, audience that day, which was really fun. And it was an hour and a half long. Like, that's probably the longest show I've done without resting. Okay, so Juan Gabriel. What is it about him that you admire so much? Um, I really think that a lot of this conversation, well, a lot of these bullet points are probably going to like overlay with the Walter Mercado things that I was also very, that resonated with me is like the, their presence, their drama of like when they're on, whether it's on stage or on television or whatever, but like when they're on, they're on and it's like, drama times a thousand and their ability to just be his ability Juan Gabriel to be like himself completely on stage while performing while entertaining the masses and looking as crazy fabulous as he did um, when he was alive you know like the costumes the the shimmies the twirls um, the passion behind his performances like if you watch his videos it's just like He's screaming, he's um, hitting himself, he's snapping, he's doing all the things, you know? And so just watching him perform was, um, I think one of the, like, it's how I learned really, like to just emote on stage. Um, yeah, and like, he was himself completely, like it was like, whatever, uh, this is what you get. And people loved it. People were like, yeah, we're buying it, let's go. <laughs> Do you recall when you first like, were introduced to these figures as a child, whether it be like on the television or, you know, listening to your mom clean at eight in the morning? So, you know, I actually, Juan Gabriel, I feel like I came to him later in my like development as a singer and artist because my parents, like they obviously listen to music in the mornings, Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings when we're cleaning, right? Um, but rancheras and like musica ranchera wasn't like their go-to necessarily. Um, that I kind of discovered on my own when I was like 13, 14, listening to like radio stations in Spanish. And that's mm -hmm. when I was first introduced to like Juan Gabriel, Ana Gabriel, like Vicente Fernandez, um, at least in a like very focused way, uh, because my parents listened to like, um, uh, like Bronco and like. And where that, are your parents from? Guerrero. Give, give your are... parents a shout out. Hey, hi, mommy. Hi, papi. Josefina. Guerrero. From Guerrero. Um, yeah, my mom and my dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And like, yeah, so they would listen to like Los Angeles Azules and like dancing music, stuff like that. Yes. Yes. Um, And so like the slow, sad music was my own like attachment. And it was like my own like thing that I listened to. Um, But yeah, like I remember waking up to like my alarm clock back when we used to have alarm clocks that were your radio and it would just turn on and the radio would turn on. I don't know if you ever had one of those, but I did have one of those. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I remember waking up and hearing like a, a Linda Ronstadt song and followed by a Vicente Fernandez song. And I was like, what is this? I love everything about it. And then after that, I just fell into a hole of like mariachi music. And that's how I discovered Juan Gabriel's performances, Rocio Durcal and um, Lucha Villa and all of the all of the greats. And what about Walter Mercado? Do you recall when you were first introduced to him? So it's funny, like watching um, the documentary, I related a lot to like how Lin-Manuel Miranda like described it. It's very like, he definitely, I remember as a child, child, like being in the background television as like the, as like we're going through our day and you definitely at some point in your childhood um, remember or like realize like, oh, I'm one of these signs and I want to know what he's going to say about me. (laughs) And so like, there's definitely like a, um, a moment where you're like, you're like, okay, now I want to know, I'm going to wait here until my sign comes up and then I'm going to go continue to do whatever I was doing. Right. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, Walter Mercado has been a staple. And like they said in the documentary, like a staple in Latin American households for forever, I feel like. So like I grew up with him. It was very emotional getting towards the end of the documentary and just being like, oh my goodness, like his life, like what what a wonderful character and what a wonderful human to have existed or to exist, you know? I mean, I think I did not know about Walter Mercado's upbringing, but it made so much sense. It made so much sense that he was so accepting of of himself because his family, his mother encouraged it so much. Yeah, so he, well, he, came, he became El Walter de los Milagros, yeah. Yes, because, and he told this, like, magical story where he revived a little bird. Yeah. Because he, he blew breath of life into him, and I was, I got chills. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, seriously. That's, <laughs> like, like, oh, my God. He became, like, a curandero um, and stuff, like a healer, a healer of. And it's, I feel like it's very interesting, too, how he, like, how he, what he called like inner religion, how he mixes all these religions together, like Hinduism, Catholicism. And it's just like, and even like Santeria, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's a mixture that I, I really think to myself, like how does uh, Latin America buy into this? Because, you know, Latin America for the, for a large part, majority are Catholic. And so that also just speaks to, I feel like um, even just him navigating those spaces while also challenging uh, gender norms, you know, which going into like the homophobia in Latin America. um, Can you, can you say a little bit more maybe on um, homophobia on like, in Latin America and what you thought about what, how the documentary portrayed it? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's funny when they, 
showed the reel of clips of those shows where they depicted um, homosexuality or like homo or the like gay characters. Um, yes. At that time, like there was one of those clips, and I was like, as I was watching it, I, I watched it with Elvis, and I was like, I remember that show. I remember seeing like that clip exactly as I was a child, and. What I found interesting is, as you said earlier, um, short Latina, this is, uh, so Walter, Walter Mercado's upbringing was very positive, right? Like, and so he was able to really lean into this idea of, well, I can be as fantastical as I want to be. Um, whereas if we juxtapose that with uh, Juan Gabriel's upbringing, which is the complete opposite, of Walter Mercados. He was um, exiled basically by his mom. His brothers were um, like physically hurt him because they thought that this was the way that they were gonna like take out the gayness out of him or the whatever I, they felt it was at the time. And so, but he still was able to like reach this point of like, I'm still going to be as fantastical as I want to be on stage and like be who I am. So I think that it's, it was interesting to watch um, Walter Mercado's one and know what I know about Juan Gabriel and see that they both reached a level uh, or point in their life where um, they felt comfortable and um, celebratory about who they were as artists, right? And so I think that we can reach these levels regardless of um, what society tells us what um, our households even um, tell us. Um, yeah, I don't think that the portrayal of gay, uh, gay people, gay existence in Latin America and Spanish speaking media especially has made as many strides or as much of a stride as like unfortunately as, as English speaking um, or English dominant media has done. It's still very, it yeah. still can be very taboo. It still can be very, um, it still can be like a joke, you know? It's hurtful. Yes, absolutely. And you know what, although I was, as a child, I don't know that I recognized the impact or the, um, or how hurtful it could be, but definitely as an adult, I can watch it as an adult now and watch that clip of reels that they played and be like, oh, that is not funny. Like, I don't find that funny. Um, but yeah. I don't know what I thought about it as a child, honestly. Like, I don't know if I, like, <laughs> ingrained these thoughts about, like, oh, your existence is always going to be a joke or anything like that. I have no idea if I um, – this is a talk with my therapist. I will have <laughs> my, my next yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. But I want to scale it back a little bit because I think, you know, Sabritas and, and, and Jose, you guys said something very important, how the portrayal of – you know, of homophobia. And I want to, I want to call back on Eugenio Derbez and kind of call it out because I'll be honest, his response was total bullshit. I don't know if you remember, um, but he was confronted about his portrayal of, of the satire, the, the, how he made fun of Walter Mercado of um, the, you know, you, do you remember? And, and there's a part in the documentary where, you know, he says, oh, well, the Mexican people loved the character I created because they love Walter Mercado so much. He never accepted the fact that he was actively making fun of, of a person that really did hurt him in reality. You know, and it's just, I was just like, it's interesting that 
you know, Eugenio Derbez just kind of like did not accept that that character that he created was homophobic. And I think he missed an opportunity to to not only apologize to to you know LGBTQ um, to Walter Mercado, but also move you know show um, comics in Mexico and, and and media in Mexico that it's not okay. It wasn't okay then. It's not okay now. And I feel like too because he's a comedian. I feel like this is a conversation that I uh, feel happens with all comedians. You know with people who make racist jokes, who make sexist Oh, it's just a joke. It doesn't hurt anybody. But they really don't take the time to reflect the power behind their words and how, what those jokes actually mean. And I I think that that's, that's, you're right. That was a missed opportunity. I was just like, oh, Eugenio Derbez. And, you know, all these shows, Ora Pico, and I'm just like, I'm calling them out. I'm calling them out. You guys uh, need to move, like you said, progress, progress. It's a good segue. It is a good segue. It's a good segue into the popularity of, of you, you said they were fantastical. They grew to certain heights because they were true to themselves. But I think the message that they sent out to their li- to, to their viewers and the, the their fans was the linchpin. Right. Right? And they talk about that in, in that documentary. They do. Can, I, yeah, I, I go do ahead. I think that, like, the, never did I think so much about, like, Walter Mercado's, like, message as much as I had to like reflect on it because I was watching the documentary, but like to be such a positive person and to um, really just carry that torch and that message of positivity in all aspects of your life as much as possible. One sounds exhausting as hell, but two, like Mm -hmm. good for you. Like, geez, my goodness. Like that's amazing. I was inspired and moved by that part of the documentary where we're just like realizing how much of a positive human he is and like how he really wanted to make that his message and his legacy and mm-hmm. how he truly believes that like love and light and positive positivity drives and should be the driving force behind um, our exito and our just like what should be it's the like what do you call it like our it should be our inspiration to do better and be better and reach our goals and like all of that you know like that that was very like this is this is really cool like what a great message and it's almost like he knew what we needed yeah you know like latin america isn't you know it's it for us that migrated we know you know it's it's tough in our home countries and if you saw the clips you're just like you know, he he gave hope to the households. He came into every household every night and just gave them hope. Like everything's gonna be okay. Right. And like that's a that's what a like power to have, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that when like you said, I remember like watching it with my grandmother and we would wait for our signs and that's the thing where you are as a child need your sign what kind of you know, like i'm a libra like i know you my know, sign it's so funny because my mom would would <laughs> wait for walter mercado but come any brujeria i know sacas a santeria de aquí like 
stop playing. Come on. You know what's funny? My mom's the same way. Totally the same way. Mine too. Which is really fascinating. Like, way to like pick and choose what you want to. um, Uh, Yeah. But I think think it's rooted in anti-Blackness, honestly, because if we talk about the history of Santeria and just about how Santeria, because even just like even things like we do in the household, I I mean, I'm sure, I don't know, as a child, cuando te, te barren con el huevo, you know, like, esas son cosas mezcladas entre el catolicismo y la santería, where, you know, it's, there's, there's roots from like, from which, you know, from witchcraft and Catholicism as you're praying the, you know, praying the Our Father and Hail Mary as you, you know, rub this egg all over your child's body or cuando, you know, I think it's really interesting how um, certain things are acceptable. Now, let me ask you guys, are you guys believers of, of astrology? Besides, you know, the doc, he's amazing and you just want to receive the positivity. You're like, yes, I'm taking it, receiving it. But at the core of it, are you a believer of astrology? You know, I think one of the things that really sticks with me about what he said and like um, how Sabritas mentioned his like... Um, positive messaging through like an interfaith approach is this idea that like not one thing doesn't cancel the other, right? Like I really do think that um, we exist or coexist in, um, in a world where things are possible. One thing, just because one thing is true, doesn't make the other thing not true. Um, Mm -hmm. So with that, my answer is that's all to say that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I'll leave it as that. (laughs) Take it or I leave enjoy it. reading about horoscopes. I enjoy reading about mm-hmm. um, the cosmos and the stars. And like I very recently within the last maybe year or so, um, really like, you know, I downloaded CoStar. I, I know what my birth chart looks like. I didn't know what the hell a birth chart was. What? So I had to like, I don't know I what that read is. about it and like Get teach your, myself. Download CoStar. Hello, Anna. Yeah, my mom's gonna yell at me. She's gonna look at that on my phone and be like, "Is this just You know what I mean? I don't know, man. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you should. It fascinates me. It's fascinating. It intrigues absolutely. Me. Um, but yeah, like I like, but also like, so right next to my Coldstar app is also my like personality type app. Like, which one am I? INFP, ENFP. Mm-hmm. So like, I really do enjoy. Um, learning as many things as I can about myself through like all these venues that are available to us. Maybe, maybe, and that's maybe that's all that it is like exploring your self, yeah. right? Understanding who you are. I mean, yeah. How about you, Sabritas? You believe in your horoscope horoscope? Um, what did the man, what did the bartender say in the movie? I believe Walter Mercado. Like for me, I, I agree <laughs> for me. Um, I read my horoscopes. I, I think I, I agree with Jose completely where I feel like when growing up, I was, you know, in a Catholic household, it was, it was like the 10 commandments, like, you know, this is what you're supposed to do and this is what's right and nothing else. And as I grew older and was introduced to different religions, you know, like Jose said, like, why can't they all exist? Why can't they coexist? Why is it that, why does it, there only have to be one God? Why does, why do, why does there only have to be one God and there can't be many? Like, um, for me, it's just, um, I do, I, I do believe in astrology. I do keep up with it, but 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I just feel like I have, but I haven't um, taken the time to really uh, look through other avenues and like reflect about myself through other religions um i'm not i'm not the biggest i'm not the fan the biggest fan of the catholic church um i would actually consider myself agnostic um Mm -hmm. but and that's why i think that like astrology for me is very comforting in that way because i don't feel limited um where where I have a set of books and I I feel like I have to fit this square, this box, like, no. Um, So that's a tough one, but I guess, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what's so crazy. And that, you know, yes, ish. the reason I ask, the reason I ask is that even if you're agnostic, like you said, Sabritas, and like, you're not really like, yes and no, like, I'm sure that there were so many viewers throughout our lifetime that watched Walter Mercado and were like, I'm an atheist. But when he came on, they're like, that makes sense. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like there was something about the way he said it. You're just like, I'm taking it in. Well, yes. the way he said yes. it, the whole presentation, like you couldn't help but like watch, right? Like, yeah, you couldn't help but those, like, those capes, my goodness. The fire. Uh, it was amazing. The fireworks? All of it. I was just like, this is a play. Yeah. This is a play. And which was his background. Right. Absolutely. And dancing. Yeah. Seeing those pictures of him young, I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, Walter, I see you. really interesting because like you know his image was so important to him throughout his whole life did you guys know about the lawsuit yeah let's talk oh about my that. god and the, the nerve of bill to be the fucking documentary what he's <gasps> yeah like who does who i could not believe no regrets no regrets i this guy is a megalomaniac he also i i was like how dare he? <laughs> How dare Literally. he? Write I can't believe it. I was just like, but he's not white. He's Puerto Rican too. He's Puerto Rican too. Yeah, I, I believe so. He... Let me look it up because let me let me not misspeak here. But you know but what? I'm... It was it was Beltr- the last name was Beltran. Bacula, Bill Bacula, Bacula. Bill Bacula. And um, he, but when you when they show clips of the documents, his name is Este. Wilfredo or like William or something like that. I mean, it's also, I mean, it's also Puerto Rico. I mean, the, if we talk about inner, inner, you know, inner, uh, inner race, how would I even, I mean, I don't hate the colorism. Use, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm talking about how I hate using this word, like the melting pot, like Puerto Rico is very oh. diverse. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's a sad conversation, I think, that you touch on good, Sabrita's, like, you know, Walter Mercado was very light-skinned. Guillermo. Mm-hmm. Guillermo Bacula is his name, actually. Oh, Guillermo Bacula. So, and he was Puerto Rican? But, no sé, but his name's Guillermo. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Memo. Memo, what happened, Memo? So I'm just going to assume, even though we really shouldn't do that. But, <laughs> but let's, yeah, the lawsuit. And, like, so the lawsuit is, it basically... 
meant that Walter Mercado signed off his image. His name, his image, his everything. Isn't that crazy? Which that is crazy because that's what he valued the most was his image. I, I, I feel like, you know, I feel... I feel like he spent so much time and effort with on his image and for it to just be, you know, ripped away from him, that really just blew my mind. Yeah. And what I don't understand is okay, fine. He knows it's worth money, right? He he did this this, you know, um contract because he knew Walter Mercado's image was powerful. It was power. It equal power and money. But then he didn't do anything with it. Walter Mercado said that the checks stopped coming. He stopped getting paid. So what was the point? Was it about power over him, his life? You know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at? Yeah, that's interesting. That whole part, I was just like, (laughs) it's funny because I don't know who said it, but one of the people talking about it and the documentary said it. It was like, you know, artists and the art artist type, they're not the type who deal with the negocio part of, you know, making art. They're the ones who are, they're concentrating on their art or whatever they're making and like whatever they're producing. Um, and as I was listening to that part, I was like, oh my God, I I flashed back to, so we're moving, Elvis and I, because we currently live in a box. And so in order for our relationship <laughs> to survive, we need a bigger space. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But as we were signing the lease, I was like, yeah, whatever, just, I'm, I don't care. And he took so long and asked all the questions about this lease that we were signing. And I was just like, can you just sign the damn document already? Like, I don't. You're like, I want to live here. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm already imagining my office. Like, can we hurry up? But I was like, oh, it's a good thing I have someone in my corner who will read all the documents is what I was thinking that whole time. But I'm so sad that Walter Mercado did not have that. But also, Juan Gabriel went through the same thing. He also um, went through a long battle of um, where the la disquera, the people. What is it? What is? How do you translate disquera into English? The recording there company. You go. <laughs> there you go. The I was recording, like, uh... the recording company owned all the rights to all the songs that he had written up until that point, and so he was also in mixed up in legalities over like this is the shit that I wrote. This is my stuff, like. And for about almost close to, I want to say, seven years, he was not allowed to perform. He was not allowed to uh, record new music. So that's when he wrote all his stuff for, like, Rocio Durcal and all the other artists who, like, have Juan Gabriel songs because he wasn't allowed to do it. So he's like, well, I'm going to keep writing, but other artists will have to do this performing and recording of the songs. Well, you need to be careful. Be careful what you sign out there. Don't Read the terms documents. and conditions. <laughs> Read the terms and conditions. Read that fine print. Yes. I just like scroll. <laughs> well, sometimes like, you know, when you put yes. an account like, and there's 60 pages of terms and conditions, like I'm going to say yes. Like I want to make this account. Like, but I agree. Data mining Google. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway. Anyway. Um, so you know, yeah, we're, so we're talking about two great, amazing icons in, in Latin America who are LGBTQ icons. But let's talk about the fact that Walter Mercado never officially came Neither out. did Juan Gabriel. You know, they said, what was the famous quote? Sabrita, no se ve, no Jose, se, help me out. Lo que no se pregunta. 
Lo que se ve no se pregunta ya. Lo que se ve no se pregunta. And so, you know, their icons, they never came out. Um, Walter Mercado, they asked him about his sexuality. Um, and he says he makes love and, to the stars. And I was like, all right, I got you. I see. And the wind. <laughs> and the wind. And so could we then, and that's the thing where people want to label him so badly, you know? They're like, well, they were, there, there was an interest. It, it's almost like they couldn't just accept him as, like, who he is. People, I mean, people have a fascination with labeling everything. And so, like, if they mm -hmm. can't label it, they become automatically, like, uncomfortable. Like, they just need to know. And then most of them move on with their day, right? Whatever. Um, but, yeah. I And, I mean, Juan Gabriel also, he never came out. He... Um, he never explicitly said that he was a gay man or whatever, you know. The need to, to label, it was like, for what? You know? because, Everybody because loves him. Muscles. Everyone just wants to know what's, <laughs> everyone wants to know the tea. How do you feel about coming out about, I mean, I've had previous conversations with, you know, queer friends that I've had. And the privileges that come that come with coming out and this concept of coming out. What do you think about it? I think that one of the things that I appreciate about people or like icons like like Juan Gabriel, like Walter Mercado is um, not necessarily that they didn't come out, but that they can still celebrate who they were um, in, at their height of their careers and their fame. Um, because because of the grandness of both of them, right? And so like we equate or we align that grandness or that drama or that the sequence and the glitter and the um, mannerisms, um, we equate it or we align it to like a category such as like gay or queer or whatever, and still they're able to succeed and still have exito. Um, For me personally, it's funny because when I started performing regularly, one of the things that I that would happen to me a lot, a lot, is um, I would go to like, so when I first started, I started just doing karaoke because I didn't consider myself like an actual like musician. I was just like, I just like singing karaoke, even though I did go to music school and everything. Um, that's a conversation for a different time. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast part two. Right. <laughs> But like one of the things that would happen a lot is that <laughs> I would sing at um, places like, or in Pilsen especially, like I don't know if you've ever been to like Caminos, the bar, or like Simone's or anything like that, which yeah. are like, you know, places where mostly straight people hang out, but like it's, you know, whatever, things are changing. And after singing the Juan Gabriel song and after killing it, if I do say so myself, <laughs> um, one of the things that would happen is that like Absolutely. big... Um, like Mexican, like s either señores or like people our age who like you could, who um fit this like stereotype or this like image of like male, um, Mexican, um, straight, uh, rough, ma uh, you know, masculine. They would always come up to me, and one of the first things that they would always say would be, um, in regards to my sexuality, um. And how it doesn't bother them, which I found very interesting, but it happened all the time. Like, it would be like, man, dude, you killed that song. And 
I don't care who you love or what you do. That was amazing. And part of it's like, ugh, I, I don't know if that was necessary, but it's the mm-hmm. same thing that, hap- that happened, you know, with the Walter Mercado, Juan Gabriel. Like, people want to know or want to, like, ease their own tension within themselves to make it a comfortable space for everyone. And who knows? Maybe some of them wanted to make me feel comfortable also. Like, uh, they, I'm a tiny human. <laughs> I'm a small person. Um, and uh, more, most of the time, they were, like, giants who would be approaching me. And so and maybe I gave off an air of, like, I'm nervous right now because you're approaching me. And maybe they were just trying to make me feel like at ease. Um, it, I can look at it both ways. And I do know that at the end of the day, they meant no harm, but it's, but it speaks to this, necessi- this necessity that we all have um, to label and to want to know and to be chismosos and to um, want to categorize. Um, as far as coming out, I don't mind it. Like whenever people would do it like that, I would just be like, oh, okay, thank you. Thank you for liking the song. Um, whatever like I don't know but if people ask me personally like if people really do take the time to like ask me in seriousness um then yeah I'll I'll come I like I'll say I'm a gay man I have no problem saying that and I don't necessarily think it pigeonholes me at this point um mostly because it can mean whatever you know yeah absolutely everyone has their different experiences and like has their different opinions on it and and they feel differently about it, like and um, having to, uh, you know, express themselves or label themselves, and um, and yeah, they have a choice sure. on who I they want to share that information with. But yeah, and I think I, it's important to also normalize saying my partner, whether you're LGBTQ or not, you know, because. I introduce, you know, I talk about my my significant other. I say my partner. That's because I because I don't need people to know whether it's a male or a female. It's none of their business. Yeah, I think I approach that word with um mostly with like now that I'm older, it doesn't feel appropriate to say boyfriend for me. Like it feels like it's too juvenile. Like we live together, <laughs> we just signed a lease and shit. So <laughs> he's so much more than that. he's a partner and so there's that you know but i don't know but who knows but like if we get married like would i use partner over husband i don't know i haven't thought about it i'll 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 let you know once i get there i guess me me too (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) me too what's the hell i mean listen we don't we don't have to get married we don't have to get as we were like searching and looking at apartments we we both wondered like they probably think we're roommates or something because we were looking for like a bigger space with two rooms because one of them's going to be an office because COVID times have like really asked that we all have a home office at this point and so mm-hmm. I think most people who showed us apartments were assuming that we were just roommates um, and it I don't give a shit what real estate agents think. Like, I'm not going to correct them or like, do whatever. Like, it's, yeah. I just, I'm here to see if this is a cheap place that I can afford. <laughs> and is it nice? Yeah. But. So as we, as we move to, to, towards the end of um, the documentary for Walter Mercado, you mentioned, Jose, also your family. And I almost want to bring that conversation and combine it with Walter Mercado. You know, you talked about your mom. You, I know you have a podcast with your mom. And the family component in the documentary was so important. 
you know yeah, um, all his nieces who were like going to bat for him oh my god there's a scene with one of the nieces where she's like I don't know what I'm gonna I can't imagine life without Walter and I was like oh, no it's so sad <laughs> I know <laughs> I started crying that during that part too I was like, yeah oh, and like so that. it just it just reminded me of the importance of family because it was his family who alerted him yeah we're like watch out and and it just it reminded me how important family is it was to Walter Mercado and is to us and is to you Jose and I I wonder if you could talk a little bit about you and your your mama and like how you guys started doing podcasts yeah of course um it's funny like I am my relationship with family is so fascinating to me I'm really fascinated by family um like studies and family health and family, like granted I've done no research on it whatsoever, but I'm always like questioning out loud, like how do siblings turn out so different when they're raised in the same household under generally the same conditions and by the same two people? Like I'm fascinated by things like that, right? Um, but anyway, <laughs> have I read anything yet? No, because I'm busy. I'm busy going out for runs and making coffee in the morning. Um, but my mom and I started a podcast because I really wanted to collect her stories uh, just because I find her life to be so fascinating. Um, and I really do think she's like one of the strongest humans I've ever met, like emotionally and physically and intellectually. I think she's just, you know, really just a phenomenal human. And I wanted to, and I have this weird thing where like, like uh, Walter Mercado's niece is like, I can't imagine life without this person. And I sometimes I go into like this dark place where like, oh my God, what if I forget the sound of people's voices? And so like, that's actually how I started deciding like, oh, I'm going to record her stories. And then slowly that evolved into like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. Blah, blah, blah. Um, what it actually started out as was I wanted to do an event in Pilsen where we all collect our one of our parents' stories, write it down from their point of view, and then... Um, read it out loud, like as a performance for like a, yeah, like a storytelling, story sharing performance where like I would read out loud one of my mom's stories that she told me um, from her point of view, like with, from like, without changing any of the pronouns, without changing, like it would be me as my mom reading it and the, our parents would be in the audience. And I had come up with this idea because I went to a poetry reading and it was so unbelievably boring and so white <laughs> <laughs> and it was in Pilsen and I was like oh my god this is so like what is this why am I here first of all but um I I just found it so tone deaf to the fact that it was like in the middle of Pilsen and I saw like señoras walking by the bookstore outside and like I was thinking about like how spaces become so unfriendly to people who are my parents age in, in mm. the neighborhoods that they have lived most of their lives in. And like these people don't feel like they can enter these spaces. So I wanted to like feed quite a few birds with that one seed, right? Like get people's stories out, get older people into buildings and or spaces that they didn't feel comfortable in. Um, but that didn't happen. I realized that older people don't want to share their stories necessarily. A lot of it is traumatic. A lot of it um, is hard for them to relive. And a lot of it um, puts 
a lot of pressure on them if like you want them to like say it watch someone else perform it and then have them be in the audience like it just became a lot um for my friends to be able to like really do this so i decided all right well then i'll start with my mom and it'll be a podcast and so that's how that started um the podcast has evolved a little bit in the sense that like not that we're running out of stories but like the stories that like had inspired the podcast to start have been told already and so it's our podcast is kind of evolving into just her and I shooting the shit and talking about whatever's happening in the world. <laughs> uh, yeah. And like, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting because I got this last one that we recorded that hasn't been released yet. We got to talk about Black Lives Matter, anti-Blackness in Latinx communities. And these are hard conversations um, to navigate with people who are older, um, especially mm-hmm. because us young quote-unquote college-educated people have developed these ideas um, that are hopefully for the progress of the world. And I think we need to remind ourselves to treat people with kindness in the sense that, like, I don't know, because she's my mom, I'm guiding these conversations. I have to do it delicately and purposefully. Otherwise, it's going to shut down and I'm not going to get anywhere. You know? Yeah, you have such a beautiful relationship with your mother, and I always hear at your at your shows and drinking tequila <laughs> yeah. with you, and like, it, you know, how do you how did you get to that point? Was it always was she always accepting of of, um, of who you are? I I think that it helps that my mom was a teacher at one point in her life um, in Mexico, and so, but no, like the short answer is when I was a kid. Um, one of the memories I have, and she's going to hate me for telling this story, but one of the memories I have is like her telling me, like, she doesn't care if I grow up to be, I don't remember what example she gave out. But one of the things she said at the end was like, but I really hope that like you don't turn out to be gay. When I was like 11 or 12 or something like this. And so like I oh carried that like thought with me up until the age of 18. And at 18, I came out to them the day before I left for U of I in Champaign um, because I was like, I can't go to mm-hmm. college and come back gay. Like they're going to blame college for me being gay or something like that. <laughs> so, they're going to blame the education so, system. They're going to be they're like, they're not going to let me go back again. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So I had to come out to them before that. So I did, I did it the night before and it was, it was a really nice experience in the sense that like it was emotional and they were super supportive immediately. Um, yeah. And then since then our relationship just kind of got, got stronger, but honestly, our, my family has always been very like cariñosos, very um, loving. Like I just recently watched um, the new special on Netflix from George Lopez and <laughs> Also, don't watch it. It's fucking trash. I was but, like, I haven't um, seen it. Should I watch it? No. <laughs> don't watch it. <laughs> Pass. Thank you. Thank okay. you for me. I mean, you know, he... my time. <laughs> I, I will say, I when we were teenagers, yeah. um, he was not Walter. Um, George Lopez was funny as fuck to us, right? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Watching it now, it's like it's very hard for me to relate to comedy where like, um, where like the mm. moms. Or the dad's like anger uh, as like Latino humans is like the 
driving force behind why it's funny. Like my parents weren't like that. My parents were very loving. Mm. My dad hugged us all the time. Like I rarely like it's very hard for me Mm -hmm. to like connect to that type of comedy of like La Chancla or like whatever. Um, Although I did get La Chancla at least like once in my life, but but it wasn't like so repetitious or like it didn't happen so often that it just became a staple of my childhood. Like. I don't know. My parents were always very, Mm -hmm. I always tell people the reason I am as insufferable as I am is because my parents instilled this like overly large confidence in me that I don't deserve. (laughs) Down what you deserve. So you had this loving family. Um, how is your, rela- your relationship with your father? Not at all. No, my dad is the sweetest human being in the world. Granted, I will say, um, my dad grew into being the amazing father that I see him as now. Um, there were growing pains when I was younger. He suffered from alcoholism when I was a child. And so all of that obviously led to like all these awful, awful events in our family and in our family history. But um, from the age of like nine he decided, all right, well, either I lose my family or I keep drinking. And then he just stopped cold turkey, which is crazy to me. But he stopped cold turkey and hasn't, like, didn't drink again up until, like, us, the children, were adults. And, like, we could now use it as, like, cel- celebratory with him or whatever. And so now, like, our relationship is great. And even during my childhood, it was good in the sense that, again, he was always cariñoso. He may not have been a perfect husband, but he was a pretty on-the-spot father. So, like, there was that juxtaposition, right? Like, he, where he failed as a husband, he was, oh, he was fine as a dad. Like, he was great as a dad um, to us. And so, yeah, no, he's great. And I love him. And we hug all the time. And he was always huggy. And, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Like, he's, he's really, like, a yeah. great person in the sense that, um, um, Again, he's one of the reasons I can't watch comedy like that. He was not a dad that was mean to me. He was not a dad that was, like, rough. Like, yeah, he was sometimes impatient, like all people can be. But especially when they're trying to teach you yeah. how to, like, change a tire or something. <laughs> or, or how to or how to. I, I had to do that but... this weekend. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Well, somebody said that if you don't put El Gato, you know, the little thing that yeah, yeah, yeah. props up the car, that it'll fall. And I'm just like... They should design cars where they put like an X to put it Agreed. right here. That is how's that so hard? That's the hardest that so part hard? of changing the tire. Like, where the fuck do I put this gato? Like, I don't want this. I don't want this car to like fall on top of me. Basically, <laughs> that is my fear. But yeah, anyway, no, he's a sweet, sweet. I, he's a you know... sweet, sweet man. Like, whenever I need anything, this iPad that I'm currently doing this call on is because I was like, Dad, I need an iPad for um remote teaching can i just borrow yours and he's like yeah just take it and i'm like okay thanks bye <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, he's nice a sweetheart. but it's so refreshing to hear that because yeah my dad was not a hothead yeah he is yeah. such a teddy bear yeah we've given latino men a bad um rap sheet how about your dad Sabrita? my dad is a kind soul too like He's very soft-spoken, non-confrontational, like, like that typical, like stereotypical, like, you know, grouchy, uh, like masculine and like Latino man. I, I never had that type of figure in my life either. Like my father was always very kind and soft-spoken. I, but I also think like teaching your own children must be like super hard. I can't even imagine it. I don't know. 
Yeah, well, but you're I don't a teacher. Teach my own children. Do you know what I mean? Like, they get to go home and go do something else at home. Like, tell us how is that? Yeah. How was that for you during this whole COVID thing? You know, and- I just came back to teach. So obviously, like, this is the first year I came back. I, I was teaching for God six years before that. I did music, and then I went over to ISU to work there for a couple of years, and then this year I came back, 2019, 2020. And what a year to come back. Jeez. Is, yes. Oh, my goodness. Strike. <laughs> COVID-19. There, there, there goes the school year. There, basically, that was Literally, the school year. Literally, <laughs> like, that was the school year. Uh, two main events. Two main events. Like, these, these should really have put these, like, spread them out. Because that's, <laughs> that was a lot. We need an intermission. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It was a lot, no. Um, it was interesting. I don't... I'm really sad that that, that COVID-19 happened only because I was looking forward to like having a homeroom and having my own kids and all of that. Um, but, uh, well, we dealt with it, you know, like we rolled with it and my kiddos, I hope learned something. I don't know. Difficult times for a lot of us right now in different ways, right? Like you said, it's a, it's a, what would you say? Corona coaster. We're, we're coming to a close, um, you know, and, we have to talk about the fact that these two amazing icons in Latin America are no longer with us. It's It was very emotional for me to see Walter Mercado. He disappeared and then he saw his life's work in Miami and then he's no longer with us. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's, you know, his energy is, is, yeah, we're talking is here about with him, us, but <laughs> physically. Yeah, he, he is in this room, man. But, um, and Juan Gabriel also, um, and it just makes me think of we have YouTube and, and young people are watching, can watch their their those videos of them. But who are we left with to look up to with that magic and that faith and the, that well, message of love? Well, who do we have right now? Earlier, Sabrita said she saw this really great person perform with this rebozo on. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you mean that cutie? You. I we mean, have Jose Alfredo, obviously. No, okay. See, this is, this is where obviously. my Leoness comes in. Walter Mercado is like, oh, this Leo, someone calm him down. Um, no, but you're totally right. Este... Yeah, who do we have? Like, <laughs> crack me up, though. Like, like... Uh, there's an obvious answer here. But you're right. I'm trying to think of other, you know, yeah, they're, they're in the making. Amazing. I'm thinking the only you're one, in the making, Ricky Martin. As far yeah. as LGBTQ, I guess yeah. I think one of the things that we're seeing that is actually nice, and like I know people have opinions about it, but like straight identifying um, artists who are also like kind of like playing around with the binary of like. Come gender. on, just say just bad just money. say just say is bad it? money. <laughs> Why are you playing like? We we're we're bringing the hot cheese man. We're calling it what it is. Jack Bunny. He has. He's been. Yeah. He's been. Um, he's been. Uh, you like you said, like toggling with like feminine femininity, and but you know, is it? That's the thing. Is that? Uh, I guess that goes back to our conversation earlier about us like wanting to label him so badly. Yeah, that's true. Like. Leave, leave the man be. He's, he's an artist. 
Exactly. And I mean, if we look at it really closely, he's definitely adapting a lot of the things that Juan Gabriel and Walter Mercado both did with their image and with their, like, messaging of, like, whatever they want to do is what they're going to do and no one can tell them otherwise. And also don't ask me about questions because I don't give a shit about your opinion. <laughs> um, so I think it's very fascinating that he's applying he's applying their kind of technique to it and uh, people will have opinions about like, he's a straight man and like, la 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 or whatever. But you know, it's as far as visibility is concerned, there's that. So, and yeah, it would be people's argument is like, it would be nice to have a gay person be that person doing all of that and have the success that he's currently having. Right. And I'm trying to think like, no, there's no one else at that level with that much fame, with that much, you know, gravitas attached to this like gender non-conforming or gender bending or LGBTQ-ness to them. Also, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. We, I will, I will <laughs> we will get you there with, with, our, with our podcast. We're, we're going to promote. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Just to close, I think, I know that a lot of um, icons are in the making right now, the young people. And I asked the young people, listeners, to to message us uh, icons that they look up to, um, you know, and in the LGBTQ community. Um, but what would you say, Jose, to a young person, a, a young LGBTQ that's trying to come out to their family? You know, you gave you gave your story, and you have these icons that you grew up with. What will you tell them that they don't know who to look look to right now? Um, I think one of the things that's important is to really like find your people who you know will be a support system regardless of your coming out or whatever. Because I, you know, we still exist in a world where rejection still happens. Um, and I do think that one of the things that young people today are experiencing is something that I haven't is that like there is much more media um, material available about not just like gay icons, but like gay existence or, you know, queer existence, which I think has been a great thing. Like, even as a teacher, like I can see the waves turning and like the tides reacting in the sense that like a lot of these young children coming up, they know who they are. They are not apologetic about it. And they are, they come at you hard, you know, like, this is who I am. And which is beautiful to see. It's beautiful to witness. And it's like, Jesus, like, you are much stronger than I was ever at your age. And we'll pro and then I'm probably working towards that, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, find your people, find your family, your support system. And once you have that in place, I think it, everything becomes much easier. I think for me, it was my friends. Like I knew if anything happened, my, I could like lean on my friends at that point. Um, yeah, it's not easy. Right. Learn. I think one of the things that I really walked away from this Walter Mercado thing is like learning to love yourself is really the end all be all. And once you're able to do that, like everything becomes so much more, not easier, but more accessible, more realistic. And that goes for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about what is in the future for you. What are you working on? What, what would you like to promote? So hopefully, hopefully recording some new episodes for Josefina podcast and then releasing those. 
Um, like I said, I just released my new website, uh, josealfredocantante.com. So make sure to anyone out there listening to go ahead and look it up. Follow me on all those links and more music. We're still, you know, in this pandemic and live performances, I don't think are going to be happening for a while for us. Um, not just us, like specifically, but like people who are musicians and hopefully we release a new EP out soon of new material, new, new music. So we'll see. Very exciting. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was an absolute honor to have you on our podcast. No, thank you so, so much, much for the invitation. Thank you, Sabritas. Thank you, Short <laughs> Latina. And uh, um, I cannot wait for this to come out. And congratulations on the podcast. So I'm excited to um, listen to the episodes, not just this one, to all of them. <laughs> thank you, Jose. Yeah, thank you so much. Y pides We want to thank Jose Alfredo for allowing us to use his music. You can listen to his podcast with his mom, Josefina, on Spotify or listen to his new EP on Spotify as well. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please join us on the next Nerdy Latinas podcast. <laughs>